Hello everyone, my name is Ryan Stacey and welcome to the Hockey Minds Podcast. This podcast is powered by Sheriff Sports, based in St. John, New Brunswick, and Instat, the leader in video and data analysis. Instat Hockey supports all levels of our game worldwide with video breakdowns and or scouting services. For more information, visit Instat on the web at instatsport.com or on Twitter at Instat Hockey. Today I'm drawn by Trevor Georgie, President and General Manager with the St. John Sea Dogs. One of the youngest presidents in the game, Trevor has made his mark in the CHL with a thorough thought process and key experiences in the business industry to go along with his hockey mind. Trevor gives a lot of great insight on constructing a roster, which will also excite fans throughout the interview. With that, I'm happy to present Trevor Georgie, President and General Manager with the St. John Sea Dogs. As the regular season continues in hockey, we know that the season won't be around forever, and in basketball it's the same, so get in on all the action now with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings is giving new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Claim your free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes when using code THPN during sign-up. Playing daily fantasy basketball is simple. You just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. You can feel the sweat like never before, as every dunk, steal, and assist means so much more with the DraftKings Daily Fantasy lineup. And baseball fans, you may have missed out on season-long fantasy, so now is the time to get in on all the Daily Fantasy action, where DraftKings has even more ways to make it rain. With DraftKings, payday comes every day for players, so what are you waiting for? Head to the app now. Download the DraftKings app now and use code THPN during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. That's code THPN and you can get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Today on the podcast, we're joined by Trevor Georgie, President and General Manager of the St. John Sea Dogs. Trevor, thanks for joining the podcast. Thanks, Ryan. Happy to be here. Yeah, I'm definitely happy to have you on as well. And I know we connected a little bit here in the past little while, and we finally get you on an interview. So uh, I'm sure listeners, especially those in the East Coast, New Brunswick, that area will be very interested. But I think there's a lot for everyone to learn. So let's just start off uh, getting to know you a little bit better. Maybe talk about your upbringing playing sports in your early years, and just give people some some background on you. Sure. So I grew up in uh, Mississauga, Ontario. Um, my mom's side of the family is quite uh, involved in hockey, and uh, they're from the Montreal area. Um, two of my uncles uh, so, uh, on my mom's side uh, both uh, were NHL scouts. One still is an NHL scout. Um, hockey was always a uh, passion of, of, that, of that side of the family. Uh, my dad is actually born in Iraq, uh, so uh, you know, has been in Canada. He's Canadian. Has been here for you know fifty years, but uh, um, fell in love with the sport when he came. Didn't play it, and uh, my grandmother actually on that side of the family, my my dad's mom um, was deaf growing up, uh, and uh, so when I grew up uh, with her and having her living with us. Uh, hockey was actually the kind of the one thing that we could watch and we could connect on. Like we weren't going to sit and watch a sitcom or a movie, but we could all bond over hockey. So 
uh, I, have, I have vivid memories, you know, sitting on the floor watching a Leafs game, uh, you know, three nights a week with uh, with my grandmother and and being able to converse and, and compare and 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 just enjoy that together. So there's definitely parts of, of me that think of her when I uh, she's passed away now. That when I think of my love for hockey, um, I was never a great hockey player. Um, like probably most things in life, I'm never the smartest in the room. I'm never um, you know the best athlete in the room, but uh, I will work and work and work and then and work some more. And I think anybody that any of my coaches I actually spoke to a minor hockey coach of mine that I love, just one of the nicest men. Um, I spoke with him uh, about a month ago. I was walking through a, a Home Depot here. I'm not sure if they're a sponsor, Ryan or not, but uh, uh, I was just chatting with him on the phone as I was shopping just to catch up with him. And uh, um, and he said, he's like, yeah, you weren't you weren't the best player, but he 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 said to me, he said. I remember just seeing how hard you worked at things and uh, and had a real positive attitude, which I think can also get you pretty far. So love hockey, play a lot of ball hockey still here in St. John. Um, I'll play ice hockey a little bit, um, but I'll probably play ball hockey if I can, sometimes uh, four, four times a week, five times a week. Um, just, just really love it. And um, very fortunate to get to follow my passion and make it a, make it a career. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, it's great to hear that hockey was was a part of your life early on, and able to uh, you know connect your family and aspects like that, and uh, you know still staying involved in the game. I think there's a lot of people who work in the game. Maybe they fall out of that pattern, but uh, even if it's ball hockey, just being able to kind of keep the the fun in the game is is always good as well, and uh, that can lead and in, then into your career. So um, the next steps in your career would be your schooling. So. For those on the podcast who are maybe looking at a similar situation, uh, just talk about your schooling path and the focus on management throughout your various experiences. Sure. I might add too, Ryan, like I'm sure you have a lot of uh, listeners uh, that uh, follow trade deadline day really closely. And that was something that if I think back to hockey memories that are not, you know, um, playing, um, I'm really thinking back to those trade periods and, you know, Canada day was Canada day, but it was also free agency day. Uh, I mean, that's how I knew what came knew. That's how I recognized, you know, July one, uh, a lot of the time. So um, I remember uh, some of my oldest memories in kind of like hockey management, we'll call it management because I, I was a, a teenager um, was, um, you know, uh, right, you know, rightfully or wrongfully, you know, skipping school. Sometimes my mom would actually call in sick for friends and I, and we would um, put on suits and on trade deadline day, we would sit and have every TV on and our and our and computers out and and uh, basically dissect every trade coming through. It was it was like more exciting than I love Christmas, but I would say it was you know my next favorite holiday was was trade deadline day. Um, so uh, I'm sure for those listening to podcasts that, uh, that love uh, love the sport, uh, those you know free agent uh, free agency and trade deadline day probably jump out to them. But um, that wasn't actual hockey management. That was. Uh, just fun uh, growing up as a kid, but um, yeah. So for school, I, I grew up um, um, in the in, in Mississauga and uh, ended up um, going to University of Toronto to pursue a degree in digital enterprise management. So it was the the intersect of technology and business. I knew that uh, it was always in sports and hockey specifically. It was always a passion of mine. Um, but I don't, I don't think I quite knew at that time how it would all come together. And um, I was actually working um, in finance, working for Bank of Montreal. And um, and I remember I enjoyed what I did. Uh, and um, 
it was, you know, it, it helped me pay, pay my way through school. Um, but I remember watching a press conference and it was the, the Brian Burke, Richard Petty and, and Gord Kirk press conference announcing Brian as new GM beliefs and, um, and Richard, uh, up there with, with, with Brian and Gordon. And, um, I remember thinking, yeah, like what I do, like, this is great, but that's not a career for me. I want to, uh, I want to run a hockey team one day. I want to run a pro sports organization. And so I actually um, got talking uh, to my brother that was alumnus from the University of Windsor. When I mentioned Richard Petty, he's like, wait a minute, Richard Petty has your, clearly has your dream job. And he's actually a graduate from, uh, from the Odette School of Business, University of Windsor. He's like, you should, you know, some of the best advice I got was find the person that has your dream job and find out, get to know them, find out how they did it um, and see what the secret sauce is. And um, so I actually applied to do my MBA after uh, my undergrad and um, went to the University of Windsor. One, I, I liked the, uh, the, the vibe of the school, um, but really it was, my, my number one reason was with that chance, a little percent chance I'd meet Richard. I'd meet the person with my dream job and I could learn something. So the MBA, you know, fantastic, um, but the, ch the chance that perhaps I could meet the person that's running Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment um, was the, the big reason and um, did my MBA there. Um, we got really involved, was MBA Society president, had a great cohort, like loved my classmates. And uh, while I was there, got to do a, a corporate project with one of the owners of the Windsor Spitfires. His name is Pete Dobrich, no longer an owner, but uh, um, it was great. It was when they had those really good teams uh, in Windsor that were loaded. And, um, and then also um, got to meet Richard Petty. And uh, it could have gone one or either way. It could have not been a, a great uh, uh, introduction, but we actually hit it off really well. And um, and uh, that started the realization uh, that, you know what, um, if this person that helped create Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment um, thinks that uh, I have a future in the business, um, maybe this is actually possible. So that's, that was um, a big aha moment for me. And then eventually finished my MBA um, by doing an internship with the Florida Gators uh, in the NCAA. Fantastic um, learning experience. I mean, just a, a, a global brand, right? Blue and orange everywhere in that in Gainesville. Uh, great learning. And then, um, and now I've, I've taken some executive learning courses uh, to work towards a master's eventually to complete it. Uh, it's dragging now. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, something I want to put more energy towards, but I've taken a number of courses through Harvard's extension program and just trying to, trying to get better and trying to learn and um, uh, just trying to add tools to the toolbox. Yeah, it, it really is a constant learning process. I think anytime that you kind of get set in your ways and, and maybe stop learning, uh, you're, you're really doing yourself, uh, um, you know, you're going in the wrong direction, but it's, it's great to hear that you, uh, you, you know, took the right steps in kind of building your resume and, and like you said, focusing on, on what you really wanted to do and, and maybe having the chance to meet someone who was in your quote unquote dream job and learn from them. And um, I think that's always something that you can do through multiple experiences is attach yourself to different people and learn from their experiences. And uh, just looking at your experiences as we go through your resume, the first one I want to talk about is your role as a marketing consultant with the Windsor Spitfires. Maybe just talk about your first experience there in the CHL, albeit on the business side and what you learned in that position. Yeah, so that that role we worked uh, exclusively with Peter Dobrich. Again, he was one of the co-owners with uh, with Bob Boudner and Warren Reichel. Um, again, back when those teams were spectacular. I remember um, the Spitz hosting the uh, CHL Top Prospects game 
um, there in Windsor and going to that. And Peter was fantastic. He was a businessman, like really sharp, sharp uh, person. And um, just being around him, just being able to ask him questions. Uh, we'd worked on a project for them that was kind of uh, adjacent to the Spitfires, uh, which was on the different skating technology that, that Peter was interested in. And um, uh, it, was, it was interesting. It kind of brought to light um, where someone with a business background and innovation saw opportunity in, in hockey. Um, you know, working on that specific project for Pete. And uh, before I took the job here at the Sea Dogs, he was one of the people that I phoned to uh, to get his opinion. So still someone that we don't, we don't chat often. I might see him maybe once a year if I'm back in Windsor. Um, but, um, you know, it was, uh, it was a really valuable experience. Yeah, for sure. And again, just talking about, you know, everybody maybe has a dream of working in hockey operations, but I think it really is important to get those business experiences as well because, a lot of times you will be working on different things and, and those skills that you learn in those positions can can translate. But you talk about meeting someone who is very uh, influential and, and taught you a lot. And, you know, MLSC is another organization which has a lot of uh, high name people and a lot of people with very extensive backgrounds. So you also had the opportunity to work there. Just talk about that experience and what you learned, uh, you know, working with that overall. Yeah, I mean, it's a tremendous, I, I, I've said this before, and it probably doesn't help. Um, it's not a very good negotiation tactic for those trying to get into MLSC. But like, even though I had a, a, you know, I got a paycheck from them every every two weeks, I should have been paying them for the experience. Like it was, it's just a fantastic organization, great people, um, you know, an organization where everyone is, you know, is really driven and, and super motivated. You have a lot of really, really good people that I, I believe could be in, you know, significantly more senior roles in, in other organizations. But they're, you know, very loyal, loyal to the brand, loyal to uh, to, to the organization. Um, the culture when I was there, and we had Richard Petty as our CEO. Richard was huge on on vision and values, which uh, I'm really happy I worked for uh, a CEO that um, is big on vision and values and and truly believes them. Um, I've worked for companies that maybe aren't the strongest in, in that area. And I think until you've worked for someone, an organization led by somebody that lives and breathes those things, I don't think you really know the difference. Um, and, um, you know, the vision is where you're going and the values are, are the, the guiding principles of, of how do you get there and the type of people you want around the table. And they really had that. Um, loved it there. Worked mostly just on the, on the Toronto FC side, on the soccer side, uh, on the business side there. Um, had a had a ton of fun, learned a lot. Um, what program that we launched there was the TFC Dream Job program, which is to find the next broadcaster for the team. And um, we ended up finding a number of candidates that were super qualified. I believe that uh, I think all of our finalists are now actually in the industry. Danielle Emanuel is doing a lot with the, with the Leafs and uh, uh, I believe Sportsnet. And uh, Rachel Bonetta was the our one that won the contest. Now she's uh, got her own show on Fox. So um yeah no fantastic and i still keep in touch with a lot of friends from there a lot of people from there and people that have retired from there people that have moved on from there um i had a friend who just left who reached out to me last week just to touch base so no it's uh, it's a lot of work um you're not uh, going to become rich i don't think working breaking into the industry working for them but um as i said you should be paying them to work there definitely and i think uh, a lot of people kind of come to the realization especially once you get into the industry that uh, you're probably not going to get rich early on and, and it might never come, but uh, you're, you know, you're doing it for the reason of that you love the sport and 
as I go through experiences with people on the podcast and look at their resume, um, you know, certain teams just stand out for for different reasons. And I mean, the Florida Gators is one organization that always stands out just for the culture that they have and, uh, you know, the intensity and, and the fun that you can have with a college program. So I know you talked about it briefly about your experience, but maybe going a little more in detail on uh, working with the Florida Gators and what you learned. Yeah, Florida was a great experience. Um, I had never uh, lived that far away from home, very close to my family. So that was an adjustment. Uh, moved Actually, we lived there with, with three friends. Um, just just loved the experience. I thought that from a brand perspective, when you walked into a convenience store, Ryan, like instead you pay for your bill and you're leaving. And as opposed to saying like, have a good day, or they'd say, go Gators. Like that was, everyone was go Gators. I mean, the church uh, right near the school, like their sign in front of the church, it wasn't advertising when mass was, it was when the next game was. Uh, so for me, from a culture perspective and and what the team meant to that community in Gainesville, like it's, it's like nothing I'd ever seen before. Um, great organization, great people. Um, what I did learn there was um, I, I really think one of the values that have, and I tell, again, I tell this story pretty often with, with, with young folks coming up is like no job is below you. Like absolutely no job uh, is beneath you. And um, you need to roll up your sleeves and just do what's the, the job at hand. And at Florida, um, I remember, I think it was, I don't know if it was day one or day two, but I remember, you know, you go down there, you're finishing your MBA, you know, you've worked in banking, you're thinking, okay, like, am I going to get to work on like global strategy for them? Like you, your, your expectations are here and you're, you're interning for them and you're there to work. And, um, I remember, um, we had to roll t-shirts for the t-shirt cannon and, you know, some folks, some colleagues were like, I can't believe like I have to roll t-shirts for, you know, for a t-shirt Canada. So I'm spending my day. And I remember just thinking, okay, I'm just going to shut up and, and roll these t-shirts the best of my ability. And, you know, when my t-shirt shoots out of the t-shirt can, I want mine to go the farthest. So the competitive nature of me is like, I'm going to roll these t-shirts. I'm going to be the best damn t-shirt roller they have ever seen here. And I'll do more, I'll roll more t-shirts per hour and I'll, they'll be the best ones and posters. And they give you posters. Okay. Roll, you know, a thousand posters. For, okay. It's just going to be the best at it. And um, so you make a little competition out of it for yourself. By the end of it, um, you know, I, I think my work ethic probably um, kind of shunned through. And I know that um, their uh, senior associate athletic director, Mike Hill, who's now moved on from there, but uh, uh, Mike, towards the end of my internship, and actually not towards the end, towards kind of the beginning and middle, he was, I think he liked my drive and um, he gave me lots of different projects. Um, that I got to uh, to take on and tackle. And it all started with doing what was asked well and with a positive attitude. And that opened a lot of doors. And I think uh, that's something that uh, I think I've brought to me at every company I work for. So I'm going to give you everything I've got um, and do it well. And hopefully you want to give me more. Yeah, and it, it's worked out for you. But again, I just I think that's something that people really need to uh, kind of take in from this interview and from others who have said the same thing is that really no job is beneath you. I know when I interned um, from school with the Newfoundland Growlers going in hockey operations, some days I'd be doing stats or some days I'd be helping out in the dressing room. And then other days I was doing a community event in the, uh, in the mascot suit. And then, you know, you don't really associate that with a hockey operations internship, or at least I didn't going in, but um, again, these are things that you have to do. And I think people take notice when you're willing to put your, your head down and do the job and do it to the best of your abilities. And 
similar to the uh, t-shirt cannon and rolling t-shirts it's uh it's a small task but people take notice when you do it and when you do it the right way totally i think people sometimes read you wrong sometimes not you ryan like i think just generally like when you were going down there and you're from a different country and you've got a degree and now you're, you're getting an MBA and you're young, I think the assumption is, oh, like this is you're just going to be like super arrogant or super um, lazy or expect everything to come to you. I think people read you wrong, uh, can read people wrong. We're a young, young, a young driven person. Oh, they're going to expect everything to be handed to them. And that's not the case. I think it's really important. I think you have to try extra hard to actually uh, show that that's not, this is not who you are. And I think people usually are, are um, quite surprised. Um, and um, I think that's something to, um, that's something that I think young people uh, coming up in the industry, and I'm 33 and I started in my you know, 2021, um, when I reflect upon, I think that's something that you have to try probably even a little bit harder, like really dig in and, and do uh, go above and beyond. And you mentioned going the mascot to suit. Um, you know, we had an intern here. He's absolutely fantastic. He was here in 2017, and like um, everything from he could meet with customers and uh, you know be exceptional. He could do data analysis, and he could um, you know he was a fantastic, fantastic mascot for a couple of games we needed him. So that uh, that willingness to just to do what it takes, uh, I think, goes a long way. Definitely, definitely. And uh, continuing along your career path, another position which. I know kind of, uh, you know, had an entry into sports as well is your time with Wasserman uh, Media Group. Just touch briefly on, on that role and the consultant role uh, dealing with sports and, and entertainment. Yeah, I mean, it was, a, it was a very interesting experience. I hadn't worked at that time. I had worked um, on the property side. So the, you know, with MLSC, with the Florida Gators and uh, just to the corporate project with, with uh, Pete and, and through the Spitz. But um, and then I'd worked for a bit of time on the commercial real estate side, shopping center side, um, but brokering a lot of brokering sports and entertainment sponsorships. So we'd brokered deals with the Juno Awards and um, uh, the Scotty's Tournament of Hearts and the Regina Pats. So we'd done, done that. Um, and the other part of the industry we hadn't seen yet, I hadn't worked in yet, um, was the agency side, which is kind of the, the broker who brings these two, the properties and the cash people together. So I hadn't worked in, in that issue yet. I thought it was important to get that experience. I like to know what's going on and I'm someone that really likes information. So I, I think it was gonna be really important to to wrap my head around the whole business to have seen all three sides of it. Um, look, it was, it, was, it, was, it was super interesting. Um, you're talking like big budget work, um, you know, big teams. Um, it's, a, it's a global uh, sports agency. Um, you know, our group was responsible for managing the RBC uh, portfolio, which was team uh, RBC. So, I mean, at that time, you had Jason Day, uh, you had Graham Dillette, you had Brooke Henderson. That's a lot of pro golfers. Um, the Canadian Open, the RBC Heritage. Um, it was a great experience. Um, I learned a lot uh, in that experience. And um, um, and now you see, I mean, they're getting into hockey. You see with the, the different acquisitions and mergers. Um yeah, it's, it's, it's great to see. And it was, uh, it was a, a great learning experience. Yeah. And you just talked about uh, getting all sides of, of the equation. I think, uh, for, again, for young people looking to break into the industry, uh, you know, if you have one goal in mind, still go out and do the different positions because you never know uh, where that entry point may be or, or even in the position. If you do get to where you want to be, you never know when you might have to reach out and try something different. And whether that's hockey operations to business operations or just something very specific. And, 
Uh, talking about the transition to hockey operations today, you're with the St. John Sea Dogs in a president and general manager role. Just kind of break down the transition moving to the Sea Dogs and then your experience uh, with that organization to date. Yeah, so I remember I um, I came to I got so the own team owner is uh, Scott McCain. Uh, if you've had McCain French fries or deep and delicious cakes, that's the, the same man that that owns our hockey team. Um, unbelievable, just just treats you like family is I consider him family like just a wonderful wonderful human being um and cares deeply about the team uh, I think that's really important uh, I really the person you work for and I've been fortunate to have tremendous tremendous bosses and tremendous leaders at companies I've worked for um and they make a huge difference I've always heard the expression you don't uh, you never quit a job you quit your boss and I think that's I think that is for the majority, true. Um, Scott's just—I can't say enough about him. Unbelievable. Um, so Scott, in a, I got to know him. Um, I got to know uh, know Scott a little bit, um, and in a September, um, it was a home opener for the Sea Dogs for the 2015-2016 season. And he just said, "Hey, like, when we go on a guys' trip, we're going to go down to St. John and watch watch a hockey game." Sure. Awesome. Sounds like a whole lot of fun. So we came down and uh, watched the game, spent the weekend. Uh, I met a bunch of the folks at the office. They said, you know, give me some thoughts on the team. Give me, you know, share with me a couple of things that you might see um, from a business side, just, just a general opinion. So I gave my honest answers and, and, and some thoughts and got to know the team here. They're super nice folks and um, came back. And uh, I remember uh, now my fiance, her saying, do you think it's a bit strange, like you, that the owner of the hockey team, Scott, would just want you to come to the East Coast, watch a game, but then have you meet all the different people and, and give opinion? And I thought, no, not really. Like he's just a just a great guy, and that's great. He wants my opinion. Like a, it's super a great weekend, right? We had a lot of fun. And then um, a few months later, I realized that their president um, had uh, moved on to politics. He got elected as local MP, and got an email saying, "Hey." Are you interested in this role? Um, and um, and so kind of all came from there. So I guess now looking back, it was my fiance was probably right. He was probably maybe seeing how I fit in, seeing what I thought, seeing if he'd like or agreed with my ideas. Uh, I didn't think that at all at the time. I guess I was pretty naive. And then I went through the interview process uh, over the month of uh, month of December. It was over over. It was in the winter, um, and. Um, I remember even the final kind of final meeting with him, meeting with the board and uh, getting to know them. And it was a stressful process. And um, I think trust is really important. Actually, you know, Scott and I say it's one thing, um, one of many things that are really strong. We have a lot of trust in one another. And I remember even in that one of the meetings uh, sharing, we, we talked and said, like, I know, I think he was a bit maybe nervous bringing in someone of my age. Uh, at that time, I was 27 years old. And uh, we had a very frank conversation. It looked like, I'll have your back. I'll, I'll work tirelessly for you. And if you, uh, you know, you have to trust me though. If you don't trust me now, I don't want to move here and come all the way here. Um, as much as I love the city, I don't want to leave everything behind. Um, if you don't trust me, and I said, that's, and then I said, I need to trust you to trust me. And if there's not that, then that's just not gonna, it's just not going to work. And, uh, I know he said, absolutely. I trust you. And, uh, and away we go. So, 
um, we could have those candid conversations really early on, which I could sense was was, was important. And I think that's for anybody that's listening that's maybe coming up or looking to work. I think it's important to have those candid conversations with one another because you're in it together. Um, so I ended up taking on the role of president with the team, and um, it, it, was, it was a great experience and um, learned a lot. It's really drinking from a fire hose, even though I'd managed teams other places and um, had experience in a lot of much larger organizations. It's still, you know, it's still uh, still a learning curve. And um, uh, and then we had to make some changes that off season with our with our hockey operations group. And the, you know, my intentions were to hire a GM um, for the team. And we had a conference call with uh, with you know Scott and some board members. And I remember saying, okay, you know, now we may have to make some changes, unfortunately. And now um, you know, I'll make a short list of some folks that we should we should look at. And said, no, 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 don't do that. Said, oh, okay. Um, did you have some in mind? Yep, you. You're also going to be uh, GM. I said, okay, well, I'm five months on the job as president. Why not? Why not throw? I said, okay. I said, are you sure? Yep, you're smart. You work hard. You'll figure it out. Just you know, pull up your socks and work work harder and and, and get at it. And so. Um, that's how I inherited the the other the other role out of, out of necessity, and um, just the confidence that that Scott and the team here gives you to to perform is 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 huge. You know, obviously he saw something in me that um, knew that I could could handle it, and uh, we ended up making uh, you know some significant uh, trades at that uh, trade period, and um, and we ended up going uh, winning the President Cup, and. Um, Unfortunately, losing in the Memorial Cup to the Windsor, to uh, you know, I mean, to the eventual winners, which are the Windsor Spitfires, it was it was really interesting, uh, Ryan. I remember in the fall going to Sault Ste. Marie for um, for the U17s and going to the Five Nations uh, with now our assistant Jim Anthony Stella in Michigan and going to a Spitfires game. And uh, the Savages are now co-owners of the team and reached out to them. I know them from the Windsor community and had us in their box and. I were probably the only adversary that's sitting up in the box with the other team's owners. We're watching the game and we're looking to say, okay, what do we need to add to our team to compete with this Windsor team if they're, if they're hosting? So this is like October. We're already thinking, what do we need for the month of May? Because we're going we're gonna to be here. We have to get here. And so I think that positive thinking, I think, is important. And I remember leaving and uh, uh, shaking Mr. Savage's hand and I said, well, we'll see you back here for the Memorial Cup. And he kind of laughed and gave me a pat on the shoulder. He's like, yeah, yeah, well, I'm sure we will. Almost not believing that, oh, yeah, I, you know, how could you forecast that? And then I remember um, the plane landing um, with all the Sea Dogs and, and us um, in Windsor. And uh, it was uh, it was pretty surreal that something that, you know, a, a group that I was so familiar with from years before when I was uh, in school there, and um, had chatted with them in the fall, saying we'll be here and actually get there was was pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, just it's kind of a full circle moment. You know, starting where you started and kind of coming back with the Sea Dogs. But uh, it's great to hear again that you kind of had built that trust and were able to have those candid conversations early on. Because as you said, I think a lot of people, um, you know, maybe are a bit hesitant at first, especially jumping in a big position or, or a big opportunity comes their way. They you kind of just go into it without maybe evaluating different things. But when you can have that trust and uh, then as it, it built further than taking on the general manager role, it just goes to show that 
you know, good things will happen when you have that trust in place and then have a, a good ownership and board directors who, uh, who really trust you as well. Absolutely. We have a tremendous team here. I think two really important qualities as well, if you're going to take on, uh, you know, something like this, um, surround yourself with good people, people that you trust, let, you know, never be the smartest person in the room. Listen, 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 get, get feedback from people. I, I, I like information. I look at my job as like a strainer, you know, put all the information in, all the expertise, and then you're going to kind of strain it out and go, okay, what, what, what decision do we make with this? And that's, that's, that's a really important one. Um, and, um, and just, I think, again, I go back to the thing I've, I've said a million times, but hard work. I, I really do fundamentally believe that, you know, if you're putting 80 hour weeks and others are putting in 40, eventually age doesn't matter. It's experience and experience and age aren't the same thing. Um, if, if you're, if you're putting in, eventually you're going to start pass, surpassing, um, you know, people in terms of experience because you, you've just put in more time at it. Yeah. And then, you know, talking about uh, putting in a lot of hours and 80 hour work weeks, uh, president general manager role are, are both very time consuming. And when you throw them together, it's uh, even more so. So I guess for people listening who are probably interested in, in hearing that side, walk us through maybe a week in, in your dual role, maybe in the middle of the season, and just talk about some of the things that you have to deal with on a daily basis. Sure. So I think there's some benefits of having the role be one role. Um, both the president and general manager need to be thinking long-term, need to be thinking strategic. Uh, I think that role is one that's, I don't want to say more natural, but it, it's its different. Like you, know, you see a lot of like GM coach. I don't know that that role, I mean, it works in some markets. I don't know that kind of structurally it makes as much sense because a coach is thinking about wins and losses in the moment, whereas a GM needs to be thinking about uh, be kind of the, the bigger strategy. So, you know, playing younger players over maybe some older players, even if it might, you might regress a bit immediately, you need to develop, develop guys. I think, I think that's, uh, it's probably less emotional of a role too than, than the day to day. Uh, I'm not saying that role, that type of hybrid doesn't work. It works great in, in so many markets, but it's just something that I think naturally your president and GM are thinking longer term than short term. Um, a lot of the um, uh, skill set. Uh, that you have for general manager, you need, and you've many of people have worked in executive roles in business. I mean, have, uh, I mean, negotiation skills, you need to be a very strong negotiator. Um, people skills, you need to be able to build relationships uh, with people. You need to be able to build trust with people and, and establish that. Um, just people management, you need to be able to manage people. I, I, I'm not some of the micromanagers. I believe in high, take your time, hire slowly, fire quickly, hire the right person, let them, um, let them do their job and be there to support them and, and take down roadblocks for them and um, and just trusting your team. And so whether that be the team doing ticket sales or sponsorship or whether that be our team of scouts, I mean, you have to trust the people you hired. If not, why do you, why do you have them? So I think there's a lot of similarities in, in, in kind of executive management of whether it be a president or a GM. Um, the weeks look different. Um, the weeks definitely look different. Uh, I think for both sides, your seasons are similar where your day-to-day, your week-to-week in the regular season uh, is uh, constantly evolving. I mean, you have you have problem resolution uh, on the business side or the hockey side. You have results, whether it be in sales or whether it be in team performance on the business side or the hockey side. So when you're in the season, uh, it's a lot more, I'd say, tact- tactical. Um Whereas in the off season, which we're which we've begun now, unfortunately, a bit too early for my liking, um, 
it's a lot of strategy. If you don't have a good off season, it's like an athlete. We just, we're doing interview exit interviews right now. If we don't go on the hockey side and have a really good uh, off summer in terms of strategy, um, going through eval- you know, evaluation, assessing what we've got, making changes, then you're not going to, you're going to have a really tough, tough season. You have to have a good summer. And same thing on the business side. If we're not going through marketing strategy, communication strategy, season ticket holder strategy, um, to what direction is the franchise going? What are we going to be about? Um, then you're, it's really hard to catch and make up that time throughout the year. I mean, my day could be anywhere from um, player interviews, uh, coaches meetings, uh, sponsorship negotiation, um, just speaking to some of the season ticket members, uh, going to community events, uh, speaking with their owner, um, speaking with other GMs about, about trade possibilities, uh, speaking with the team about uh, uh, performance at the box office and how attendance is going to look tonight. Um, so I really look at my role as present GM as one that you need, you do need two shifts for it. You know, you need to do your day shift and then have dinner and then the rest of the evening work at work, work at the rest of it. Um, and you really need to look at your role, I think as like a door opener where you have a lot of really good people around you. And when you're meeting with them and working with them, you're really just trying to enable them to do their job better. So it's what, what boundaries, what door can I take down? What doors can I open for you to, to do, to do your job better and, uh, and help the organization. So everything under the sun in uh, in a normal work day, but I'm the type of person that likes that. And if I didn't have that, I think that, uh, I think I'd be, I think I'd be bored actually. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the nine to five job for some people just isn't in the cards. You know, you want to be involved in everything and definitely president general manager role. Your hands are in a lot of different uh, pots, a lot of different conversations. And, uh, you know, it it just sounds like every day you're able to uh, kind of adjust and and take on new things. And I think in in both those roles, it's, uh, you know, very, uh, very important to be able to do. And one of the things you also talked about there is the, uh, you know, the success early on going to the Memorial Cup and, and not having the finish you'd like, but still being able to have that experience. And as many people know, a lot of times following a year in a Memorial Cup, um, you know, in junior hockey, there tends to be a rebuild process. And for the Sea Dogs, we saw that, but it was an accelerated rebuild and, uh, you know, with a very young lineup featuring some skilled players. Just talk about that group today and the development that you have seen over the last uh, couple of seasons uh, with some key players that a lot of listeners will know about. Yeah, I mean, I think the, re- the rebuild overall, rebuilding is painful. I mean, there's no two ways about it. You can sugarcoat it and you can look at, and, you know, I think you take joy in seeing players develop. I mean, I certainly do. I think a lot of our fans certainly do. But rebuilds are painful. Like, they're not pleasant. I don't think, I think any GM um, in our league that would say, you know, I love a good rebuild. I, I don't think they're telling you the, the truth 100, 100%. They're, 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 it's a painful process. It's hard on the players. It's hard on the fans. It's hard, it's hard on everyone. Um, so it's a painful process. So you have to know what you're signing up for to go through an aggressive rebuild. Um, and that's why I don't blame teams that, you know, rather be kind of middle of the pack all the way along and not have to go through those peaks and valleys. We like to really ride the roller coaster if you look at our team history of, rebuild you know really tough years when really tough years when like that's just we choose to ride that roller coaster i don't think it's for everyone i think it's not for not for uh um, weak stomachs um but yeah i mean some of those players that the first group that we brought in as part of our uh as part of our this this edition of the sea dogs was the o2 class 
Um, that draft, uh, we were able to get our, our head scout, Anthony Stella, and all his scouting staff did a great job. Um, we were able to get, uh, and we think three of the top four defensemen in that draft, which were William Villeneuve, Jeremy Poirier, and uh, Charlie Desroches. Uh, you know, William drafted uh, by the Leafs and uh, JP uh, drafted by Calgary. Uh, and then other skilled forwards, uh, skilled forwards are able to add as well. So uh, Josh Lawrence, who was a, uh, a U.S. college commit at the time, and, um, and uh, Brady Burns, who is a second round pick, um, very, very gifted player, had, had an injury that season, uh, but had a, had a very strong season. Um, and other guys in that draft that ended up playing in the league, like, um, I mean, Riley Bezo was, a, I think, a 10th or 12th round pick by us. And he's in our, who's in our lineup this year, brings a lot of grit and, and, and character. Um, Kale McCallum, I believe, again, was maybe an 8th or a 10th round pick. Um, a local player, another defenseman that's a top four defenseman in our league. I'm sure I'm missing other guys, but there's, there's quite a few that uh, from that group. Dawson Stairs, seventh round pick. Um, and uh, and he's now with Cape Breton, but it was a, it was a real good player. Uh, that draft was interesting because we tried to uh, do two things. We tried to draft players, uh, you know, obviously everyone will say, take, you know, most people to take the best player available. We really tried to draft based on clusters. So we took Josh Lawrence, who was committed to a college program. We felt strongly that we'd be able to convince him to come. He's from an hour down the road. And now Josh was best friends. His roommate was Charlie DeRoche, who was committed to Northeastern. And uh, so we figured, okay, if we get Josh, and um, and probably Charlie might, well, you know, if we get Josh, okay, Charlie will know, do you want to come? Your, you know, your, your roommate's coming as well. Okay, well, then I'll, I'll come too. And then Dawson's neighbors uh, with, with Josh, uh, and had also played at South Kent. So we were looking at the draft very much as drafting groups of people. Um, that way you could get guys later on that were maybe not considering the CHL, um, but because of um, they get to come play with their friends or they get to come together, that it would work out. So um, it was a successful strategy. I mean, we got basically everybody that uh, we had wanted um, to, to join the team. Uh, in terms of the Canadian draft. So we were really happy with that. Um, also, when we looked at uh, kind of draft history and forecasting, we figured that being the first year of a rebuild, we wanted to take defensemen and we want to take um, player forwards that were skilled but smaller in stature um, because we anticipate that they're more likely to be playing in the league at 20 years old. So if you're going to win a Mem Cup, you want homegrown 20-year-olds. Um, and so we figured, okay, the chances are that uh, you know very rarely do defensemen make the jump uh, at 19 uh, to the NHL, and certainly at 20, uh, hard to make uh, the AHL. Um, so defensemen, smaller forwards, we figured we'd get them for five years instead of four, instead of three, and, and that was our approach to that draft. Yeah, that's uh, it's very interesting. A lot of people don't really think about the draft in this way. You know, there's it's such a strategic plan and. Uh, you know, at the NHL level, you look at, um, you know, the early rounds and you're always talking about get the best player and then five, six years down the road, you develop them with your system. But in junior hockey, you're, there's much more of a, you know, a battle with time because you only have the players for so long. And then, you know, throw in the fact that these these kids are, um, as they should, looking at all their options. You know, some people are looking at college hockey. Some people want to play in the CHL and, and some people just have their different routes. So, uh, you know, very interesting to see how, uh kind of the thought process went for you and 
um, you know, people can see today that it worked out as the the team is reaching its potential and looking maybe back before that as well. I also want to go into that president cup run a little bit more. Just talk about that team specifically. And then maybe for listeners, at what point did you know that team had a chance to go all the way? I know you, you mentioned that in Windsor, you said that you would be back, but was there really a point where you knew that this team really had a chance to go on a run? For sure. I mean, first, I mean, give credit where credit is, is due, I think is, is really important. So Mike Kelly, who um, an assistant coach in the NHL, um, I know formerly with the, with the Vegas Knights with Gerard Gallant, um, I mean, Mike's group drafted most of those guys. They were, they were drafted, uh, you know, Thomas Shabbat, Matthew Joseph, Sam Doug McFalls, Spencer Smallman, Matthew Highmore. Um, they were all Mike Kelly guys that, that Mike had drafted uh, when he was with the Sea Dogs. So, I mean, I, I often will say that, you know, Mike baked the cake. I got to put the icing on top. Like, and I'm I'm happy I did get to put it on top. But uh, Mike uh, had some real good good players, a real really strong foundation of, of players he had drafted um, while he was with the Sea Dogs. Um, yeah, I mean that group. I you got a sense even in training camp that that's what all the guys were talking about. You know, when you talk to certain players, like that's what in their mind. You know, all they were talking about was you know, winning it all. They were like, it was like, oh, for sure, we're going to win it all. And you, they were, um, they just, that was like never even a question almost to them. That was never even in question. It was never something that they seemed to waver from. It was, we're going to like, we're going to win it all. Um, And so part of that is making sure that they have the right pieces uh, to to do it. And uh, we felt when Anthony and I had watched Windsor in that fall, we knew we wanted to add a big body up front. Okay, Windsor had Stanley and Brown, some real big guys. We felt that we lacked uh, in size, of kind of size and, and high-end skill. So we watched Julian Goetze very closely at the World Juniors. Uh, I think he led the team in goals. He played with those two guys, with uh, with Thomas and Matthew, and um, and the feedback was really good from them. He was like a six foot four. Uh, first round NHL pick that could, that could score. And uh, so we added Julian at Christmas. Uh, we thought that was really, really important. Uh, we also saw a need for, we had a defenseman, Luke Green, that had been taken a few years prior, um, a really offensively gifted defenseman. But um, I think uh, we needed someone that was maybe a bit more uh, two-way. And I think for Luke, he was playing behind some guys. I think an opportunity to go elsewhere, play more was, was, was probably a good, good choice for him. So we added a, a veteran defenseman, a 19 year old Simon Bork, who was a Montreal Canadiens pick that uh, had won before uh, in the Muski. So we wanted a guy with a winning pedigree. He had won before. So he like, he was really important. And then uh, goaltending, we added Callum Booth who um, had, uh, you know, participated in the Mem Cup in Quebec when they hosted. So again, wanted a guy that had uh, been to it, been, been through it before. And Julian Goetze as well had been through it before. Uh, President Cup with uh, President Cup run with uh, with the four hours. So experience, very specific roles. We added some depth guys as well that were just really good glue guys. We added uh, you know one of the be- the best friend of our captain who is I-, I don't think Dave dressed in the playoffs. Great guy, tremendous guy, um, but was just a guy that fit in with the group. So um, I think that was really important that the fit was there for the guys. And overall, it was a group that they all had each other's back. You could just tell the way they 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 were with each other, whether you were um, a star on the team in, or whether you were a, a fourth line player that brought energy and physicality. Like 
everybody looked out for one another. And I think when you have that, good things, good things happen. Like you can't, uh, you can't create that overnight. And, uh, and they certainly had that. Yeah, very much a, a process. And again, so many different uh, minor details that have to be looked into. And uh, But again, when you have a, a team already in place, you know, you have the prospects and then you're able to add your own touch and make those adjustments uh, throughout the season. It's uh, it's great to see when it all comes together and a President Cup is the result. Um, you know, the, the community of St. John is one that is uh, very much behind the Sea Dogs. And I'm sure at that point they were, uh, you know, fanatic. So uh, you know, from your experience there, just talk about uh, what you've seen in the community and then uh, just talk about the experience of, uh, you know, working in the Maritimes division of the QMJHL as well. For sure. I may just add, uh, Ryan, too, that you talk about the, the process. It's really important to understand what that looks like. We try to educate our players on what that looks like. We talk about trust the process or this is the process um, because it's a roller coaster so the highs are never as high as, as good as you think and the lows aren't usually as bad as you think it's kind of important to stay level and we had a lot of guys on that team i will also say a lot of guys on that team like i look at joe valeno who was a you know first exceptional status player in our league but he was playing third line um in his second year in the league um most guys might not accept that right like an exceptional status player for second year in the league and i'm playing on the third line if most guys that just doesn't work for them. We had Sam Dove McFalls, who was a draft pick by the Flyers. Like he was in his fourth year in the league. Like most guys aren't accepting third line roles. We had Cedric Parry, we had drafted the year before that was, uh, I think, it was a top 10 pick in, in our league. He was definitely, I mean, I don't know if it was eighth overall or ninth overall, but he was playing fourth line center. Like you have to accept those roles and you have to make sacrifice to win. And uh, not everyone's prepared to do that. Just like working in sports, you have to make sacrifice. You have to ask your players to do that too sometimes. So I think that's really important. Those guys all deserve a, a lot of credit. Um, St. John's an awesome community. Uh, just wonderful people. Just salt of the earth. Uh, I mean, they love they love their hockey. Um, people, you know, if you wanted to come play here, Ryan, like I would warn you, like if you scored a goal the night before when you're at Tim Hortons, someone's going to stop and talk to you and I'll tell you about your goal and how great it was. If you're minus three the night before, you will also be stopped at Tim Hortons and they're going to let you know exactly what you did wrong. So I think it's fantastic. I think that makes for an experience that's like very much like a pro experience. We've got a rink that was built for the St. John uh, Flames. So it's an AHL uh, size rink. It's connected to the, the downtown or the uptown core with all the bars and restaurants. Um, it's a, just a just a great place to have a hockey team. And, uh, and uh, you know, the last, uh, you know, Two years, we've been able to get a naming rights partner that I know Scott and myself work work hard on and, and collaboratively with TD Banks, and that's the TD station. They've been a tremendous, tremendous sponsor for the building. So there's a, a lot, uh, a lot of community support um, from in terms of sponsorship. Uh, great community support and very loyal season ticket base, and it's uh, I think it's a really fun place to play. Like if I had had the privilege of playing junior hockey and drafted into the queue this would definitely be uh, one of the top spots, uh, one of the top spots for me. Yeah. And, uh, it's, you know, it's always great to, to hear about these different junior hockey communities and, um, you know, the East coast mindset, you said the fans are very much uh, involved. I, I find the same thing here in St. John's in Newfoundland. You, you know, if you have a good night, you're going to hear about it. If you have a terrible night, you're going to hear about it. Um, it's nothing to go downtown and have a fancy you wearing a jacket and buy you a drink. It's, it's just the way that it, it works out. And, um, you know, just talking about, you know, building that community and, and you get to meet different people in the community and 
the people at my hockey resource, they have the same mindset within the hockey community and uh, whether it's scouts, coaches, general managers, people from all different leagues, they look to bring them together and, and share ideas. So for anybody looking to learn more, be sure to check out my hockey resource on Twitter and Instagram. Trevor, one of the things they talk about on that platform is different resources, whether it's articles, podcasts, software, you know, the, the list is very extensive for things that they like to learn from. For you personally, what are some of your favorite resources? Um, you know, a list of different things that you can name that you look to for reference or new ideas. I, I like looking at outside of industry uh, for a lot of things. Like I'm a very uh, inquisitive person. I'm probably um, the worst person for my, our dentist is also a billet family of ours. Fantastic. Shout out to the Britain family. They're, they're actually had Joe Valeno, just salt of the earth people. And um, I must ask John Britton questions the entire time that I'm getting my uh, teeth clean because I'm, I'm a naturally very curious person. Um, so I like to understand things and learn a lot about things, uh, whether it's dental work or, or hockey or anything really. And so um, I really like looking outside of that industry for kind of for best practices. Like I think from the business side, I really love looking at um, um, like Disney. Um, I like looking at amusement parks. Uh, I like looking at, I like what they've done in Vegas in terms of just the entertainment. Um, I think theater is interesting. I think wrestling is super interesting. And there's a big wrestling following here in, in St. John. I think that's like a, again, it's just, it's just entertaining. So I like look at different industries to find things. So if you came to one of our games, Ryan, or if anyone listening would come, you know, in normal times, non COVID times, you know, we ripped out a bunch of seats we put in an ice level bar and it uh, has like reclaimed wood as the, the bar tables and that's right uh, behind one of the nets. And um, our players actually come through a curtain, almost like wrestling with smoke and like lights. And if they walk through the bar to get onto the ice, like an, almost like a, again, like a wrestling entrance, which is pretty unique. Uh, we have a piper that pipes in, uh, pipes up the, you know, the sea dogs uh, flag uh, to start the game. Uh, we have a professional um, ring announcer that does the like buffer intro uh, for our players at center ice on the weekend games. We have a section called the you know, TD zone that has live DJ uh, for uh, our weekend games. We had last year, we had classified the rapper come and do a whole show. Um, so as you came to a hockey game, you also got this like uh, rap performance. So I think from a business side, I really like looking outside of tradition and, and, and trying to find cool ways to, to make it entertaining for fans. Because if you're, if you're signing up for 34 games, uh, home games plus playoffs, um, and knowing that some seasons the hockey is not going to be as great as others, it's how do you how do you do more? So I also for me it's it's looking outside of industry. Uh, I read a lot of like HBR, like Harvard Business Review. I think there's some interesting interesting tidbits there. Um, I watch a lot of documentaries. I watch a lot of business documentaries. I'm a visual learner, so I think that that's cool, quite quite helpful. Um, on on the hockey side, I think it's, I mean a lot of. Uh, discussions i like to talk to people uh to gather opinions and get their 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 perspective on things i speak a lot to um gms in different leagues hockey people in different leagues uh, nhl gms and, and people have been around the business a long time um agents uh i mean agents some people some gms love them or hate them i i love them i think i think it's i think we have great relationships with our with agents um and they see things through a certain lens. And I think it's really valuable to see things how they see them. 
because uh, they're also very involved with, very involved in the space, and um, I think that's really important. So for me, a lot of my hockey inspiration comes from just discussions and discussion discussing things with, uh, you know, usually if I'm going to have a chat with with someone that uh, I really want to uh, pick their brain on something, uh, they're not, you know, 10, 20 minute chats are probably an hour long of, of, of talking about things and, um, and, you know, weighing all the different options. Our assistant GM, uh, Anthony Stella is uh, very progressive. He loves soccer. So like, he'll often come to with ideas from like European football and, uh, and different, you know, the different concepts. And I think, he has uh, dreams of you know, one day a, a hockey league where you have, um, you know, players you can sign at the age of like eight, just like in, in European football and, and they come through the academy. You know, he has, he has really, um, I don't say wild ideas, but just um, a, a different kind of uh, different perspective on, on the whole sport and, and a really global perspective on sport period and how some things apply. So um I, I would just encourage people to um, to look beyond what is kind of fed to them. And it's really important to honor tradition. It's really important to look at what's in front of you. And again, because we're a young uh, front office, people assume, oh, we make, must make every decision based on analytics. Um, very few decisions are ever based on, on, on analytics. It's a part of the information. Um, but the two hours, two and a half hours we spend at dinner with the player and his family to get to know them before we draft them after an eight hour drive to go see them. That's also part of it. Popping by a player's home in the summertime unannounced just to check in on them and chat with them and their family. That's also part of it. Um, so I think there's a lot, we, a lot of assumptions I think made can be made about um, younger front offices in terms of numbers and data. Um, and it's part of it, but so much of it's the human side. And we work with a number of different, uh, really strong sports psychologists with our players. And um, we put a lot of emphasis on that too. So um, I would just, my advice to people would be just be, be open-minded and, um, you know, don't be so rigid maybe in, in your thoughts that it's, it's analytics or it's, it's the eye test or it's, um, you know, EQ. It's, it's really, don't be so rigid and be, be more open-minded. Yeah. That open-mindedness really is key. And, um, you know, sounds like you, you're having a lot of conversations and looking at different, a lot of different, uh, resources. And it's always interesting to hear when people are looking outside the industry, there really is so many different things that you can take into it. And, and whether it's, you know, Harvard business review or, or just things from different sports, soccer, um, you know, at the end of the day, when you use them in your own practice, it can really be beneficial. And, through those conversations, you meet so many people with so many great experiences and a lot of them help to mentor you in, in, in your own career. So I know you mentioned uh, some people throughout the conversation, but maybe once again, go through your key mentors and, and just talk uh, about what they've done for you thus far. Well, I mean, in no particular order, I mean, Scott McCain, like just, just unbelievable, gave me a chance. Um, just just, just tremendous. Just, just, to tr just tremendous. Uh, all the people that I, I'll name are, are, I would say, are people that if they, if they, if I got to work with them in sports, great. Um, that's a bonus. It's, it's, it's what I love. But if they opened a company, uh, if they opened Dunder Mifflin and they're selling paper, uh, I would be. That's an office reference, which is a show I love. Um, then I'd be there helping them sell paper because they're just great people. But I mean, Scott's uh, absolutely phenomenal. 
caring um, and uh, very supportive of, of his team and um, and um, uh, just so, so wise. So much you can learn just from a conversation. We chat every day and every conversation I leave, I've learned something. Um, I look at uh, Richard Petty. I mean, I remember taking the uh, GO train from Mississauga to Toronto, I think at like 5.30 in the morning in a, on, a, in a, on a fall day and everyone was miserable on the train. And I was going to my meet, tour to meet Richard to talk about an opportunity with MLSE. And uh, I was smiling. People must thought I was crazy. I was smiling ear to ear at like 5.30 a.m. on a GO train. Everyone looks miserable. And got down to the, at that time, the Air Canada Center, met, met with Richard. And um, um, I just remember that, you know, that the time he took for me and uh, the interest he took in my career and still takes in my career. We were chatting two weeks ago. Um, and that's just so appreciated because I don't work for him anymore. There's no value to him to spend time in my career, on my career, and, and he still does. Um, Prabin Ganshorn was a, a, a boss that I had at, uh, at MLSC and then again later at, uh, at Smart Centers. Uh, he, he worked there as well. And then at Wasserman, actually, I worked from there. Um, different leadership style, very much. I trust you just, just do it, just, just do it. Like he constantly give you things to do. And for me, I love the opportunity to, to just take things on. So if you have a boss that'll just give you projects on projects on projects, um, don't complain, just shut up and take them and, and do the best at them. And even if you're, it's a bit over your head, just, just get at it and do it and, and, and uh, do your best. And so he always gave me that opportunity to take on more and more work. Uh, and then Richard Michaeloff, uh, again, I worked with him at uh, through the, the shopping center company. Um, just tremendous. It was uh, it was uh, someone that, again, thinking outside the box, was used to uh, working in the shopping center industry, and uh, I don't think quite uh, understood everything that I wanted to bring to the table in terms of sports and entertainment um, and uh, partnerships, but. Uh, saw that I was passionate and, and, and kind and kind of got it and really gave me the rope to, 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 to go with it. And uh, I think that that's really important, but all for those people, um, I would say um, have similar qualities in that they're just really good human beings. Um, they trust, they trust uh, their people and, um, and they really do treat you uh, like family, even years later, you don't work for them. I mean, in hockey too, just spending time speaking to folks like uh, like Steve Eisman, the few times I've, I've had the chance to, to chat with them, like incredibly generous with his time. Uh, Julian Brisebois, uh, John Shaka, is fan, fan, fantastic. Larry Plow, fantastic. There's some, there's some, I mean, I'm leaving out tons of, of other wonderful people, but those are some names that just come to mind where um, they're, they're just, just tremendous people. And, uh, and the other part, uh, as I said with the other four is being generous with your time. Time is like a very valuable asset. So if someone's going to spend 10 minutes with me or 20 minutes or sometimes an hour or more, that's, uh, uh, for me, that, that, that means a lot. Yeah. It's, uh, there's so many different people in this industry we were willing to share. And, uh, you know, while those four people that you mentioned, uh, and, and then also the hockey people, you know, they all kind of come from a little bit of a different background. You still see those qualities of being generous with their time and, and willing to show you the ropes. And uh, again, it just kind of goes to show that in this industry, there is so many great people that can can help you along the road. And, uh, you know, now being in a position like yourself, uh, you can kind of give back in a sense and 
maybe people who are in the hockey industry already and are looking to move up or people who are looking to just enter it. What's one final piece of advice that you would give for people in hopes that they'd be successful in hockey operations? I'd say treat everyone. I like the platinum rule, like treat everyone better than you expect to be treated. Uh, don't always expect it'll come back your way. Uh, but I think it's really important to be just, just treat people, treat people well. And uh, even um, that might, that won't get you, that won't get you necessarily in the door. That won't help you keep your job. Um, but I think if you treat everyone even better than you'd expect to be treated, it's a small world, whether it be hockey or anything else in life. And um, um, I, think it's, I think it's just really important in, in the way that you, the way that you treat people. Yeah, treat people the right way and you'll uh, receive it in the same sense and uh, a great piece of advice. But I think throughout the interview, we got a lot of great advice just from your experiences, uh, the things you mentioned about working with team and junior hockey specifically and uh, a lot of great takeaways. So with that, Trevor, I just want to thank you again for joining me on the podcast. Uh, I know your schedule is very busy with exit meetings and all these different things. But again, I appreciate you taking some time and I wish you all the best moving forward. Thanks so much, Ryan. I appreciate it. All right. Take care. Support for the Hockey Minds podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, and Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the movement for all your below-the-waist grooming needs. Big news, Manscaped just launched in Canada, and for those listeners in Canada, and I know there's a lot of you, you can be one of the first Canadians to experience their life-changing products. Everybody has had that experience where the trimming has not gone right, and we want to change that. So get with Manscaped, who has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents, and when I tell you this is premium, this is premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes, so you can take a longer shave, and the waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower. Throw in one of the coolest features, which is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming experience. They've also upgraded to a 7000 RPM motor with quad stroke technology, and let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud, because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB, and if you are listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code HockeyMinds at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com using the code HockeyMinds. It's time to shave those balls, eh? I'd like to again thank Trevor for joining me on the podcast and engaging in a conversation on the CHL and the various aspects of both business and hockey operations. St. John has a tremendous program in place, and you don't have to look hard to see that Trevor is a major reason why. If you would like to get in touch with Trevor to learn more about his experiences, I encourage you to reach out to him directly, or you can contact HockeyMindsPodcast at Outlook.com, and I can help make that connection for you. Once again, our next podcast will feature a surprise guest, So stay tuned for upcoming announcements for more information. Thanks again to everyone for listening to the podcast this week and for supporting us on all of our platforms. The podcast and Hockey Minds brand continues to grow and we are excited to share many more stories moving forward. As always, stay safe and all the best.